Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Jumping off an hour two of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate and Show at Drago's Seafood Restaurant, home of the original charbroiled oyster. Down here in Baton Rouge on Constitution Avenue. Come on out and hang out with us. We're here till 4.30. Get some of these oysters that Jimmy and I, along with Luke, have devoured. Uh, they are awesome. Um, we were talking earlier about a upset potentially. It didn't happen. Alabama 20-19. to 19. They survive over Texas. Jimmy Smith, uh, TigerDetails.com publisher, filling in for Herb today. Herb Tyler is an honorary captain for tonight's LSU Southern matchup. What a great honor for him, and we're happy and excited for Herb. Jimmy, on your website, TigerDetails.com, y'all have chat rooms, et cetera. Uh, what's on the chat rooms based on the Alabama game and the, and against Texas? Well, the first one that jumps out uh, is a post by Colleyville Tiger that says, Bama receivers kind of suck. Kind of. Right. I think, you know, what we have to keep in perspective here is it's we're used to Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy. I mean, do they suck or do they just not have a first-round type guy, right? Like, yeah. I, I, look, I, I would imagine. I know Jermaine Burton's a good player, you know. and Well, you said it when you rattled off all those names. <laughs> Those are all first-round picks. Yeah, those are dudes. Uh, you know, second-round picks, studs. And I'm sure they've got them there. They, they, they seem to print them over there in Tuscaloosa, along mm-hmm. with running backs a la Derrick Henry and others that just look the same. That's the thing about Alabama is regardless of number, you'd be mistaken. Like, is that Derrick Henry? Oh, no, he graduated, he graduated a long time ago. Yeah. You get the point? Like, they all look the they, they recruit the similar uh, even size and build and speed and all, all the other things, they, they look like the same player that was playing there eight years ago. Yeah, I think of um, Najee Harris, right, in Najee that Harris. mold. And then you had a T.J. Yeldon, right, the guy that caught the big screen that broke LSU's back years ago. You know who didn't fit that mold, though? And he's in the Saints uniform, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Well, they, they also have that type. Not as, sure. you know, there, there's not two as prevalent. Types. Yeah, it's not as prevalent. I think the one they have right now, Jameer Gibbs is probably in that mold, 5'10", 215, stocky and compact. But for the most part, they have these these man-childs at running back, right? And we're used to seeing it year in and year out. Um, I know Alabama signed some really good freshmen. guy like Shaz Preston from yeah. St. James, local kid here that LSU really wanted. Uh, his time will come soon enough, and, and he will be a star for Alabama. But, uh, I mean, 2019? eking out that victory against Texas. I, I didn't expect When you were favored by 20. When you were favored by 20. And you've got to think with the home field advantage in Texas's favor. So Vegas is saying you're a 24-point team better than this, and you just snuck that out. So that's an eye-opener for a lot of people. Uh, it looks like Alabama has some holes themselves this year. And, and honestly, I wanted the game to end 1917 <laughs> just because of the irony that Burt Auburn put yes. the, the winning the kicker for, for Texas. Yeah, for Texas would have put the winning kick through 
against Alabama, and I just thought that would have made for great headlines. I'm a happy guy either way. I love Texas Longhorn tears, and I love Alabama. Uh, oh, they're both crying tears. right now. Yeah. I can promise you. Um, it's a happy day. <laughs> what else is on uh, in the chat rooms? I, I love these chat rooms. It, <laughs> they did come out like it's hot, it's it's so hot. Take the you know they 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 need a fire extinguisher to put them out. Yeah, uh, it's calmed down a bit since since last week, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, a lot of the topics on the site that keeps popping up is is that incident last week during the press conference with the <laughs> local reporter and Brian Kelly. Uh, I thought that was rather That incident was funny when Brian Kelly was basically uh, taking a jab at the late-arriving media that he called mm-hmm. them, and a reporter quickly quipped, well, you win a game, we'll show up on time. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, Brian Kelly probably doesn't realize that for the last 10 years, reporters are used to those press conferences being 45 minutes late. Between Les Miles and Ed Orgeron, things were rarely on time. And now you have a Brian Kelly who's there to ready to, to start at the time things are, are – but, you know, you have to be there, though. Yeah, I think what – You can't be late. No. And, and, but I think something that you and I both know, Louisiana, South Louisiana is a unique, different place, okay? And if you're an outsider, it takes you a little bit longer mm-hmm. to win people over, in particular when you're a head football coach at the biggest state school in, in, in the state. And you didn't get off to a good start. Not to mention, you know, this is a unique – we're unique people in Louisiana. Not yeah. bad, not, not better, but just we're, di- we're different. And I, I think what I, what I worry about is can Brian Kelly adapt to this, to this fan base and to this area of, of, of the country that's just different and, and, and understanding the market that he's in. I, I think he will. The fact that he didn't lash out. That reporter, yeah. you know, kind of took it in stride and moved along, I think was a, a positive showing of, of how he's understanding that things are a little different down here. And, and it's even harder for him because, you know, he's from a north of the Mason-Dixon line, right? Like, yeah, you, you're not from Louisiana, but at the same time, Southerners are probably more welcome than, than maybe some of your northern no Tigers. Yankees, right? So uh, he's definitely going to have – a difficult time getting over that home. But, I mean, if he wins, it won't be long. It won't matter. Yeah. Everybody everybody in Baton Rouge and New Orleans will start finding their Irish heritage if Brian oh, yeah. Kelly starts winning. Without that, a doubt. You know, that there's some Ireland blood in there somewhere, and everybody will start tapping into that. Yeah, and, and Jimmy, it's the, the comment last week, though, it, it, I'm not all that bothered by it. However, I would liken it to – you remember um, Bull Durham? When uh, Crash Davis tells New Kalilouche, um, you have fungus on your shower shoes. Until you win 20 games in the show, you cannot have fungus on your shower shoes. You do that in the show, and the press will think you're colorful. And, and if you're Brian Kelly, you really can't make too much. There's not a lot of things that were funny last week. And he was trying to make a joke, and it backfired on him. And that's what I think he doesn't understand yet about this market, is that LSU fans are just intolerant of a lot of things. They just don't tolerate it. And especially when, you, you know, you lost to Florida State, which LSU, that's beneath them. And this is not the Florida State of the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, with Coach Bowden there. This is a Florida State program with Mike Norvell that is, is, is fighting for his job. So, it, you know, LSU fans don't find too much funny right now. Well, since you want to cite old movies um – you know, I'll remind Brian Kelly, this is like your old Yeller fan base, right? And 
they took one of their own out in Ed Orgeron, <laughs> right? I mean, Ed Orgeron was one of their own, and they turned rather quickly when things started uh, coming off the rails uh, under under Orgeron. So this is your your old Yeller fan base, and if you get uh, if things start going downhill and they think you're rabid, they'll they'll take you behind the woodshed and take you out and move on to the next guy. So. Yeah. Since you want to cite old movies, yeah. I'll go back to the first one that made me cry. That was, the that first was mine, too. That was the first movie that made me cry. I couldn't watch it for a long time. Like, I watched it once and I, for the first time, and I it scarred me. And then I, I got I got back into it. Yeah. Um, Jimmy, you're kind of giving me some goosebumps right now. Because those are my two favorite, one of my two of my favorite movies of all time, Bull Durham and Old Yeller. And who doesn't? If you're a young boy, I know we're getting off, off subject here. Yeah. If you're a young boy, though. Who didn't dream of a, a yellow lab as your best friend? I had one. Yeah, it, me too. Well, you know what his name was? Yellow. Yeller. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I walked I, right into that one. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he, he actually got run over before school, and uh, and my mom let me stay home from school. A local fire chief, I think it, I believe it was, in Abita Springs back in the day. Uh, yeah, took him out early in the morning, and, and it broke my heart. You know, so first time I cried for a movie was Old Yeller, and the first pet that made me cry huh. was my dog Yeller. So I do think Brian Kelly is going to ultimately have success here, Jimmy, in particular because he's starting to win the recruiting battles along the offensive line that mm-hmm. LSU hadn't been able to make any inroads on. If you could talk about that and some of the guys that they, they're working on or have committed to them in a 2023 class. Yeah, I think that's that's where he's going to leave his mark. If LSU wants to get back and, and be that consistent powerhouse-type program, always in and out uh, of the top five, top ten, you're going to have to do it in the trenches. And, and he's been doing that since he's been here. We see it right now with Will Campbell and able to keep Will Campbell committed and on campus and starting early as a left tackle. Uh, as a true freshman, his former teammate, Zay Lance Hurd, who, you know, some people have as a five-star. I, I think he's the top prospect overall in the state of Louisiana, a guy that could come in and play right away as a true freshman, even though it's not ideal, but he is capable of that. Uh, they have in the, him in the book, uh, the guy who being from, from Georgia, who's extremely athletic, um, a lot of upside potential in him. And, and with all the ties Brian Kelly has through the Catholic League programs, which were, I would tell, I would say a third of the nation's top offensive linemen year in and year out come from those Catholic school programs, whether those private schools, whether it be at Don Bosco and, and DeMatha and all these, these schools around the U.S., um, you know, those are the schools that, that put out these, these guys year in and year out. And that's his, that's his wheelhouse. That's his bread and butter. Those have been the schools he's been recruiting for some time. So, I think we're going to see a noticeable difference in the offensive line play uh, in the next few years. But this is something that's going to take two or three, maybe even four years before we really see it play out on the field. Yeah, listen, LSU's never had a problem recruiting skill position guys. Ever. Right? They're, they're in abundance in this state. The big guys just don't, for whatever reason, you've got to go out of state. You've got to go up north a little bit. And, and that's where Brian, Brian Kelly has, has a, a fence around a few – areas of this country up north um, where you know he can go in there and just grab anybody he wants and I, I think that if, if you go back and look the national championship game that that team they weren't great up front they were good enough Joe Burrow in that receiving core is what made them even better but right. I think man you start building wet getting the weapons that that LSU has traditionally been able to get they've always lost out on on getting those big guys up front and now he's going to be able to do that and I think that's going to take this, this offense and this team in general um, back to where they need to be and where they want to be. 
20 to 19, Alabama survives against Texas in a thriller, went back and forth. Um, we're going to talk to Mike Dettelier when we come back about that matchup and preview LSU and Southern tonight at 6.30 right here on the home of the Fighting Tigers. We're at Drago's Seafood Restaurant in Baton Rouge on Constitution Avenue. Jimmy Smith, Christian Garrick. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. All right, back here on the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show, live from Drago's Seafood Restaurant down in Baton Rouge off Constitution Avenue. Jimmy Smith, Christian Garrick. We already scarfed down some oysters. Mike D's Notebook is brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center of Thibodeau Regional Health System, Mike Dettelier, college and NFL analyst. Mike, how are you, man? And I'm sure you watched that Alabama-Texas game, huh? Yeah. Um, listen, it was nothing like I thought it would be. And I, I wouldn't have – I would have taken the 20 points if I had to play that game. Uh, but, you know, I've learned long ago, either you feel real strong about Nick Alabama covering or you don't play. So, I didn't play. But uh, a couple things stood out. And one is that Alabama couldn't run the football well at all. I mean, it was non-existent. Guys, how many times do you remember Alabama not running the football well? That, that's the one thing that stuck out to me. Hard a to, lot of penalties. Hard to recall. Man, because that's been Nick's wheelhouse. He wants to really run the football. And their young receiver struggled early in the game, getting open, and then catch the damn ball. Uh, the other thing, penalties, he's going to have a fit about that. When you're talking about 14, 15 penalties in a game, Nick's not going to be real pleased about that. And you also got to give Texas a lot of credit. I was impressed with their offensive line. You're playing two freshmen there. They more than held their own uh, against a real stout unit and the best defensive player in college football in Will Anderson. And uh, the one thing you learned, and uh, it's an old John Facenda line, but it applies today. Great players don't always play great, but they play great when they have to. And Bryce Young was that at the end. And he, he made the plays when he had to, and, and he was the guy that won Alabama this football game. But um, just quick reactions. Gary Patterson was a great hire for Texas defensively, schematically, and their ability to put people in a place to make a play. I thought Gary did a great job. I got to talk to him in the offseason. He said, maybe, you know, for me as I got older, maybe not relating as a head coach uh, to players came into effect toward the end at TCU. But he put them back on the football map, and I thought he played a big part defensively in giving Texas an opportunity here um, to win a game. And, but, man, uh, it, was, um, it, it was very watchable. Put it to you that way. And uh, they had all of uh, Football America watching. Mike, when you look at the game, I, I was in transit down here to Baton Rouge, so I didn't see every play. And I missed the controversial uh, supposed safety call that wasn't called. Did Texas get, get wronged there? I guess but technically by the rules, it was not called a backwards pass on the field. And so it's non-reviewable. How the hell can you miss that? How, how can you not be paying attention? Now, the safety call, when you go back and look at it, Bryce was laying basically on the back of a defensive lineman. And so the targeting call, I still don't get. I don't know what 
somebody was seeing other than Bryce Young's helmet <clears throat> came off on that play. Now, maybe he thought the guy had went for his head when he was down, but that wasn't the case at all. This was as bad an officiating crew as I've seen in college football in a long time. And on both, not just one side, but Texas, Alabama got the majority of the better calls you would figure. But, man, I, I'm not sure what game they were calling. Maybe it was one from two weeks ago. But that one in the end zone was a cluster because what they missed was a backwards pass. Now, again, you got guys who are former officials in the booth. Most of the time, they are very good about seeing things and pointing it out to you. On this particular deal, they were covering up for their brethren that they were a major cluster across the board. (laughs) They didn't want to tell you that, but it was obvious that this crew was as sorry as you could get as an officiating crew. It was really bad. Uh, Obvious calls of a a missed face mask. I mean, right in front, the official standing right there and didn't see his head jerk back. So, hey, Christian, I'm just telling you, um, I'm not real sure an, uh, an away team gets these many calls if it's not Alabama. Yeah, and, and look, Jimmy and myself and you, we're not some referee conspiracy theorists. We're just not. Uh, but it's worth highlighting and talking about. Let's uh, no, look I ahead to LSU and Southern tonight, an opportunity for Brian Kelly and the, the purple and gold. Go ahead. Yeah, I got a couple of uh, uh, relatives of mine that are official. And one of them texted me during the game about just how bad it was. So, listen, when he's going to tell me that, that just tells you how bad it is. Because normally, come on, you know, you're part of the, the crew. It's part of your brothers. And you want to do what's best. But, man, that, that was really a, a badly called officiated game. And um, I just don't see how you miss some of those calls. You really don't. It's too important, Mike. Jimmy and I were talking about that. It's too important. Jobs are on the line. You know, uh, head coaches, uh, athletic directors. And I know it won't be in Texas. Steve Sarkeesian is not getting fired over after this game. If anything, he might get a raise just because how, how close he had it and probably should have won it. But my point is that college football and the NFL, I think, have an officiating crisis. I really do because th- there's, there's too much riding on this, in particular with the, the coaches, let alone the money. The amount of money that people are gambling and, and spending on these on this game, uh, eventually, if, if it doesn't get fixed, they want the best product. If it's not the best product, they're going to lose money. Well, uh, you know, we have a couple of them local. Uh, Carl Johnson's a good friend of mine. Also, Jason Lede, uh, who officiates Big 12 games. And, you know, they bring that – they brought that up to me for the last five or six years, uh, that it's a watershed moment for officiating. And – you, they're bringing in a lot of young people, and the rules become more and more complicated. And, you know, what you think you kind of seeing uh, sometimes it's not the letter of the law to rule. And, and it keeps changing every year. So it becomes really complicated to officiate, and they aren't getting young people in uh, money-wise and also some of the, the negativity that you get. Uh, during the game and afterwards, these guys aren't doing it. Just aren't. And so uh, 
I know Jason and, and Carl have told me this for years that, uh, you know, that they take a lot of pride in what they do, but that there's a whole new group of officiating. And that is very concerning to them who have been doing this for quite some time. So I, I agree with you. Mike, looking at uh, LSU and Southern, 630 kickoff in Death Valley. And if you're Brian Kelly and company, given by last week how it went down, you've you got to see a number of things before you, you step into conference play next week. So if you're Brian Kelly, you, there's a lot you still have to uh, see from your football team tonight, even though it's a, it's a game in which they're favored by 38 points. Yeah, one, you got to be able to run the football. Uh, again, it's it's part of the game. Everybody want to talk about the pitch and catch part of it. And yeah, you got to have that, but you got to be able to run the football when you need to and have to. LSU could not do that last week against Florida State. There was so many breakdowns up front along the offensive line. Then you got behind the eight ball and you just started throwing it. You did get back in it late by throwing it short, quick. So you did find out what was best for Jaden Daniels. But I think the number one thing here offensively is to have some movement up front. You know, I'm around a lot of former college and pro offensive linemen, and they love to run block. They, they, man, that, they say, man, that's the easy part of the game. Pass blocking is the technical part, and it's much harder. But they love to be physical with people and move them off the line of scrimmage. You didn't see that last week at all um, against Florida State. Jaden Daniels made plays because he bolted out of there like a coat in the field. But um, that's, I think, an issue for Brian. Along with, you got to get uh, Keyshawn Butte involved in the game. Come on, and he can't sit and soak. you, you got to understand, you're going to have some moments where things don't work out, but you got to make plays. And all of Football America is watching you. Okay, you're considered one of the top receivers in the country. And so you got to play that way. You can't pout. If, if things go wrong. And we all sometimes lose uh, our emotions. And so he's got to do a better job controlling that. But this has been sort of a love-hate relationship between Brian and Keyshawn almost from day one. And I think the player-coach relationship, we'll see how well that, that sort of molded uh, during the week because I know they had a couple of different conversations on defense, you'd like to see him tackle a little bit better. Game one's always going to be an issue with angles, tackling better in the open field, and getting off the field on third down. You can't let a team have over 70% you know, a percentage on third down conversions. That can't happen. So you got to be able to find a pass rush, influence the quarterback, uh, and get off the field. And the special teams was a complete disaster. Uh, I know they've done extra work on special teams this week. And yet, what we're hearing, uh, Malik Neighbors may get another shot at it as a punt returner. So that goes to show how much Brian thinks of him as a return man. And he's explosive. And I think the world of him as a player, as a receiver. But, um, you know, (laughs) he can't screw the pooch anymore. Because if not, then say Brian's in there returning punts. The kicking game, blocking up front, um, catching the punts, uh, that, man, that all broke down. And so there's some areas there that you've got to be able to improve upon. And I think it's, it is true. I hear it from a lot of college and high school and even professional coaches now with the way preseason's played. The biggest jump you make is from week one to week two. That, you know, you get it now, okay? You, you played in the game and you understand it. 
that it's not practice anymore. It's real game, and it's different. All this stuff about if you can practice it, you can do it in the game, is horse hockey today. Not the way they practice, because they're not hitting. You're not seeing live hitting. Um, it's different. And so uh, that's some areas they got to clean up at LSU. But running the football, tackling, getting off the field on third down, and special teams play has to be improved. Hey, Mike, Jimmy here. Uh, you hit on a lot of points that I think really stood out um, player from player to player, kind of seeing how this, this game broke down. But schematically, there were some things that really concerned me. Uh, I noticed on, on defense, um, LSU brought a, a good amount of pressure, um, but they played a lot of off coverage in those blitz yep. situations. And on third and five, third and six, you're bringing, a, uh, you're bringing extra guys and you're giving free releases to these receivers basically hey hit your hot route if you want it right and then offensively they were obviously having a difficult time blocking the Florida State front but there were many instances Florida State brought more than LSU had to block with uh, and it just looked like they got out schemed in that game is that something you you saw and is that something that concerns you with this new staff or do you think they're kind of handcuffed now as they slowly start to implement the things they truly want to do um, on their way to expanding to a full playbook? Well, I thought Florida State, I think you bring up those points, and they're good, that uh, they were bringing more people than LSU had blocking. So what you have to do there is you got to get that ball out quick. You can't call no deeper patterns, uh, and you got to figure that out. Uh, so, I, Jimmy, I don't know that you can mask offensive line issues. I, I really don't know if you can. And I think they attacked what they thought was the weak link in the chain. And they went after it, and they broke it, you know. And for three quarters, it worked. You know, it really worked. Um, the off coverage and a lot of zone coverage, you got to mix and match. I, I bet in that game, I bet it was 85 to 90 that you were off or in zone. Uh, you know, do you not think your corners can play, man? You know, that part I don't know. But I think Kevin got a, a, a good dose of when you play a top quarterback in college football who can move around, you better affect him, and you better get to him. Now, they did get pressure on Travis, and, and I thought he handled it pretty well, uh, the pressure, because he got out of there and made some plays with his feet and then made the throw downfield. But it looked to me that there was always a spot that was open for a receiver or tight end downfield. So you, you got to play more man coverage. I, I think that's just part of it. And, guys, didn't this look a little bit like what we saw when LSU played Mississippi State in game one uh, in 2020? It, it looked to be similar. You know, they, they say it in the same defense for the vast majority of the game and got eaten up. Come on, you got to mix and match it. But I think what you bring up is, is good points. That uh, I think for Kevin, I think part of that is I wonder how much he trusts his corners in one-on-man-to-man -on -man situations. And the linebackers, they're going to get blamed for this, but you can't cover forever, you know. <laughs> You just can't uh, in, in college or pro football. You can't cover forever. Right. So you got to influence the quarterback. Mike Detillier, thanks a bunch, man. All right, guys. Y'all take care.
All right, care, college Mike. football NFL analyst Mike Dettelier. Mike D's notebook brought to you by the Sports Medicine Center at Thibodeau Regional Health System. Jimmy Smith, Christian Garrick. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show live from Drago Seafood Restaurant on Constitution Avenue in Baton Rouge here on WWL. College and I-10 is where you can find us here at Drago Seafood Restaurant, the home of the original charbroiled oyster. Alabama survives against Texas 20-19. to LSU taking on Southern tonight at 6 Tommy Satanovich with Drago's was here watching it, and I know you were pulling hard. I'm still hard. throwing up. I uh, know. But you know what, <laughs> Tommy, I, I, have, I, I don't know if you heard me earlier. You've been in the restaurant uh, running around busy. I wanted to see Gump Tears, but I'm okay with seeing Longhorn Tears too. That doesn't hurt. That right. doesn't hurt. No, no, that's good. But it, it, I, I'd have much rather seen the other side. It's just, you know, say it just – Anyway, I know, I know. It, it just is. Hey, thanks again for having us uh, out here today. This is a beautiful store. How about my – How about my? this is a really cool restaurant, you know, because we built this, uh, even though the building was here before, we it was totally gutted. And uh, so we got to walk in, and I took all the things from our other restaurants that I didn't like or didn't work and fixed them here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I've always wanted a really big bar. I always wanted uh, got one here. a lot yeah, of TVs in the bar. bar. I wanted it to be a show or, or, or like we do in this store a lot. We have uh, a piano player at night. And uh, so I, I got to do stuff like that. And, uh, and then we've, we're, it's very versatile with the dining rooms. You know, we've got uh, five separate dining rooms. We can do a dinner. We can do as small as eight or ten. And we can go up to a 200-person sit-down wow. dinner in here and still be open. And, uh, and with all of that, we still serve charbroiled oysters. And I was talking to Scott, your general manager, uh-huh. before the show. You guys opened this store in February, start of February. COVID shut everything down mid-March. How about that? Five weeks later, you get slammed. And, uh, you know, we, we just, we've got really good people with us and great staff. And Scott has been with us from the uh, get-go, and we're really blessed to have him as a manager. And uh, he, I mean, when I tell you, he puts his heart and soul in this building and uh, he does a great job. He's accumulated a, a wonderful staff and, uh, and we you know, you just put, just like everything else, whether you're in the restaurant business or you're a doctor or a nurse or, or, or you know, work in radio or grocery stores, you know, you put your nose to the grindstone and you, get, you do what you got to do. And uh, that's what we did here. And, uh, and we survived. We were, you know, very, very fortunate to survive COVID. And, uh, and, and the cool thing is, as hard as we got hit in this, in this particular restaurant with COVID, and right after we started, I, I've still got 20, 30, somewhere between 20 and 30 employees from when we, from when we opened. The and original that's employees. Co- and that's, uh, that's in a college town. You know, and employees are tough, and it's been hard getting employees. And, and, and it's, you know, we, you know, we've been living that. Uh, it's been, the employee problem is real. But I, I think we've got about 20 employees still working here today That's that great. are from the original, you know, all through COVID and all of that. And uh, uh, so we're, we're very lucky. We've got wonderful people that work here with us and uh, and trying to, you know, they, they duplicate what we do in Metairie and, uh, and uh, blessed. Listen, we, me, Jimmy, and Luke uh, scarfed down. We did a dozen raw, a dozen char-grilled. They're fantastic. They're so salty right now. They're so good. <laughs> They're so good. 
It's so, so it, good. You know, you're going into the fall. They, they tend to be a little bit on the small side right now, but that's just traditional. I like them. Yeah, I like them. Well, yeah, they're, 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 people call them half shell size. You know, mm -hmm. so they tend to be a little bit uh, small, but they're delicious. There's a lot of flavor in it. Uh, you know, they're uh, haven't had a lot of rain, so you got a, a decent amount of salt water uh, that's out there right now. And uh, the with the river being low, you get more salt water. So we're you know we got lots of really good oysters for a lot of really good tailgating. Yes, we. Yes, y'all you, do. You've got to fill me in on the science here, right? Because I, I love oysters. Uh -huh. I've been chasing a good salty oyster for a while. And when you brought these out today, and I ate one, I was like, "This is what I've been looking for." Is that the hunt on your end to go find? Well, these yeah, quality you, you oysters. Need, yeah, because you know it, it's not uncommon for you know this one er particular area to have good salty oysters now, and then next week, you know, a mile right. away, that those aren't as good, and you go a mile away because the current has shifted. And, uh, and they get better on the other side. And then there are times where there's nothing you can do. You're going to get oysters that just aren't salty because of all the uh, fresh water uh, that's out there when it's raining a lot or uh, just different times of uh, the year. And then you got times where they're almost too salty. You come January, February, March, they're too salty sometimes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Tommy Satanovich Dragos. Tommy, thank you so much once again oh, for having no, us. We're looking you. forward to being down here each and every home game. Thank you so we'll much. We'll be here next week again. Looking yes, forward to it. And we're going to have to add something to the, uh, instead of just raw oysters and charbroiled oysters, we're going to get you maybe some alligator tacos. I'm down for that. Oh. I'm down for oh. that. All right, this is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show here on WWL. Live from Drago Seafood College and I-10 is where you can find us here on WWL. All right, winding down our second hour of the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show. Jimmy Smith, publisher of TigerDetails.com. In for Herb Tyler, I'm Christian Garrett. Got a half hour to go here live from Drago Seafood Restaurant in Baton Rouge. College and I-10 right here on WWL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 